everyone hello and welcome to week eight of grand slam kbo's weekly review our weekly podcast on the korean baseball league you can find us on the internet where all good podcasts are downloaded you can also find us on youtube at grand slam kbo and you can also search for us on twitter at grand slam kbo at grand slam hider and at chimac baseball I am your host for this week, Matthew Kerr, and I am joined by the abbot to our Costello, Andrew Martin Farrell. Andrew, how are you doing? Hi, Matthew. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. You done anything you interesting this seat? weekend? I was going to say, are you enjoying the hot seat? Oh, enjoying it very much. The power is mine. Uh, did you say what did I do this weekend? Yeah, what did you do? Anything fun? I did nothing fun, though, except except uh, midweek we bought a new car. We bought a car, so I spent the last. Uh, 72 hours or so learning how to drive properly on the right side of the road as a left-hand side driver normally, um, which is normally okay because I've rented cars in Korea before, but I don't know what you think as somebody who also drives on the left-hand side, but it's it's taking the right-hand turn at traffic lights when they're green for pedestrians. It's the part that I can uh, never quite get my head around. I kind of understand it a little bit. It makes sense for flow of traffic, and assuming there's nobody crossing the road, it's pretty simple in terms of execution. Yeah, I just part. I know it's like an American thing. I don't. Pretty sure you guys don't do that in the UK because definitely in Ireland, if you're driving on the left hand side and you're taking a left hand turn, you can't just go left on a red light. Oh, um, if you do that, the blue zoo will come and get you. Yeah, yeah, right. exactly. So, I personally, I don't think it's a, it's an it might might be good for traffic. Though. I don't think it's particularly safe, but they're the rules of the road over here. So, it takes a bit of time to get used to, and also, I think the changing speed limits regularly on what seems like the same stretch of road has also been uh, quite eye opening. I would say. Have you been caught out by any of the speed cameras yet? Don't know, don't know. But <laughs> check your mailbox. <laughs> If there's a letter in the post this week, I'll let you know next week's show. Fantastic. So we are also joined this week by the father of modern cycling, Mr. Hyder. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Not too bad. It hasn't changed in the last two minutes. So uh, tell us about your week. What have you been up to? Uh, week has been good. Lots of rain during the week. No complaints uh, on that. Had a beautiful clear skies the last couple of days, so I was out on the bike. And uh, overall, it's been been a great week and heading into some vacation time, so I'm really excited about that as well. All right, then. So you mentioned vacations coming up. Do you have like a full-on vacation schedule, or do you have like one of the truncated ones? Are you in public or in Hogwarts? I am in an elementary school. Uh, We have uh, two full weeks off, Monday to Friday, and and a little bit extra on each end. So um, I'll be keeping myself busy with some of the other work that I do, as well as doing some traveling around the country. That's pretty cool. I'm not going to ask about camp schedules then, because that's boring stuff that we can talk about off the air. But uh, have you seen the news about the fans being back in the stands we'll be talking about that soon but did you get a chance to any to watch any of the kbo games this week 
Um, I got to see a few of the games. I didn't get to see too much of the action today with the fans in the stands, except for watching my dinos blow a lead in the end of the game. But I will definitely be looking at going to a game uh, sometime in the next week or so. Fantastic. And well then. Out of interest, partially out of duty to res- to report to our listeners here on Grand Sam KBO. Yeah, he said duty. So, with that in the can, let's go on to this week's headlines. So, for all of you listening, we're going to have a bit of a new format where we're just going to go through the headlines, a couple of bullet points about them, and then we're going to have a couple of discussion topics. So, we'll start out with a little bit of MLB news because the MLB season has started again. Ryu Hyunjin was named as starting pitcher for opening day for the Toronto Blue Jays. Ended up getting a no decision in his game there. Kim Gwonghyun has started as the closer for the St. Louis Cardinals, recording his first save of the season. And then through MLB trade rumors, we found that Brooks Raley, former Lotte Giants pitcher, has been added to the 40-man roster for the Cincinnati Reds. They ended up uh, designating Scott Schlieber. I hope I'm not mispronouncing his name. Schlieber, Schlieber, for assignment to make way. So I've got some great memories of Brooks Raley from my time as a Lotte fan. And uh, he was unfortunately part of an unsuccessful postseason run that the Giants had a couple of seasons ago. During um, an at-bat from one of the Dinos guys, a broken bat came and hit him right in the foot. And he ended up being unable to play later on. There was quite a lot of fan backlash. Do you guys remember that at all? Yeah, I do. I remember really well. I, that was one of the most fascinating moments of that particular playoff series, definitely. I think that game went five games. That series went five games, too. And I just remember um, some other Lotte Giants fans who did know the situation pretty clearly were trying to calm down a bunch of irate Lotte Giants fans and my KPO <laughs> about the status of Brooke Raley's injury. There was... Um, hashtag uh, you know free Rayleigh all of this type of stuff was going on uh, that is definitely the moment I remember most about his time at Korea as a non-Lote fan and obviously he was a really good pitcher but um, in terms of like a story or a piece of drama that was absolutely huge and it was unfortunate for him too because mm-hmm. clearly he was badly injured um, and like nobody was blaming him for not turning up for game five I think it was just more the <clears throat> decision of the management but that was that was fascinating it's always fascinating to see a support base go into complete meltdown on social media we've seen that with the SK Wyverns fans this year and we saw that with Lothe Giants fans pretty much every year but that was a pretty big moment for the Lothe Giants fan Lothe Giants fans and I guess that's like the last great Lothe team we've seen we haven't really seen a Lothe team yeah. as good as for a while and that was an opportunity miss and had he been fit there's a really good chance Lothe would have would have advanced much further I'm actually going to make a bold prediction with a bit of hindsight, I guess. But had that broken bat missed him, he would have ended up starting game five against the Dinos. And like, I went and watched two of the games with uh, Pat Bogo over in uh, the Jongno Ujiro kind of district. There's a couple of Nogari places around there as well, where you just sit down, have a couple of beers outside, some fried food, whatever. And then you watch it on the TV. Those and like he... He basically told me that if Rayleigh starts on game five, NC lose. 
So had that happened, like Lotte would have been in with a solid chance of actually going on to win the Korean series, given how well Rayleigh was playing at the time. You think they could have gone that far? I That's think they would have gone that far. But chances missed. So moving on, we have a couple of debuts that have happened this week. We have Brennan Barnes, who's debuted for the Hanwha Eagles. He played a full set of games and ended up today hitting his first home run for the Hanwha Eagles against the SK Wyverns. We also have Addison Russell, who's yet to make his debut for the Heroes, but he did put in two shifts with the Goyang Heroes, which is their futures team, based just to the northwest of Seoul kind of area, out towards the Paju district. And uh, he's hit the ground running over two games against the Doosan Futures team. He ended up going five for six with two doubles and a walk, and a it's a small sample size, but an OPS of 2.042. That's... Um, Pretty impressive. I'm hoping that he'll be able to make some fireworks when he starts for the Heroes next week. Yeah, I think we all expect uh, Addison Russell to have a huge impact on the Kiem Heroes this season. I definitely wouldn't read too much into what goes on in the Futures League. and We've seen uh, players completely crush that particular league and then struggle when they make their make the big step up. But I think a guy like him really shouldn't have any any problems making the step up to to the Korean Baseball League. This is a uh, a World Series winner in 2016. So I'm excited to see him play. Like the, despite again the backlash online, there's obviously a lot of a lot of anger when he was signed, but it, it is pretty cool to get a former major league MVP and World Series winner to play in this league. And with his age as well, and the team that he's moving to, he's, without any disrespect to Barnes and Andrew Eagles, he's not moving to a pretty rubbish team. He's moving to an excellent team that mm-hmm. has a serious chance of winning the Korean Series, um, or at least making, making the, the championship final as they did last year. I can't wait to see him. I can't wait to see him. Let's, I think we should just, there's nothing we can do about whatever happened in the past. That needs to be parked. We've got to judge him on what he does on the field now. And this guy is going to be electric for the Korean Baseball League. Indeed. Uh, Bradley Howdy, do you have anything to add before we move on? No, I'm good to go. All right, then. So for those of you wondering about Addison Russell, he was likely to make his debut on Tuesday for the senior team against the Doosan Bears in Jamshil. So, uh, look- again? Are they playing yeah. next week again, yeah? Yeah, it was the Futures team that ended up playing oh, each other on the weekends yeah. just gone. And then he'll be against the senior Doosan team, and uh, we'll see if he picks up where he left off. So in other news, like the... Play each other oh, sorry. Sorry. I was going to say, it just seems like these two teams play each other on an incredibly regular basis. Um, it's extraordinary. I feel it the same way about the anti-dinos and the KT Wiz as well. Mm. It'd be nice when we do the reviews in the future, we've got kind of different games to look at. It would be interesting to see how the league sets up the scheduling for the season. If they just pick a team and say, okay, they get their series here, 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 here. And then they just slot in the other teams wherever there's space. Because it it does seem that a lot of the teams do end up playing each other in succession very often. Yeah, agreed. Because Lotte and Samsung had that fairly late on last season as well. And there's been a couple of other series like Doosan and LG have played each other a fair amount already this season too. Yeah, and uh, Bradley will know about this more, but I just feel like NC seem to be playing against the KT Wiz every week at this point. 
Yeah, and they don't seem to be doing too well against them, considering their position in the standings. Harsh. Okay. All right. Harsh. And that so was very nice. That was polite. That was a, a family audience language. That it is. On to the other news. So monsoon season is upon us. The first wave of rain came and caused a large number of cancelled games on Wednesday and Thursday. You know what? I'm actually going to take a moment and pause here to acknowledge the ground crew and Jamshill. There were pictures that went out via Yonhap and other news outlets of Jamshill basically turning into a swimming pool. You could not see the grass or the infield. That was Thursday, and the, a game actually happened on that field on Friday. Like, yeah. massive shout-out to the grounds crew there. A Hall of Fame nomination. There you go. A future one coming up. So, um, as a result of this, though, no double-handers ended up happening because of the cancelled games. So, that does call into question the league's original plan to have games made up as soon as possible during the season. And it's very likely they'll be made up at the end of the season. In other parts of the league, we have... Sonhyuk, the manager of the QM Heroes, who did an interview about how he is trying to adapt from his role as a former pitching coach under Trey Hillman, and how he's trying to balance winning games versus protecting his pitcher's arms, talking about the longevity of players and talking about how once you've played baseball and you've left the uniform behind, you're suddenly a nobody again. That in of itself says volumes about the perception of players in the league. Like, Heidi, you've got a lot of background with uh, MLB fandom. Like you mentioned on ESPN, there are different players that you loved watching as a kid and that this fandom just kind of continues throughout the years. But in terms of KBO teams, like it quite often seems like players are just left behind. What do you think is like a good cause of the difference there? I think that in the MLB, especially these days, uh, through efforts through the players' union, um, they're trying to school these young guys um, in the idea that your career is not going to last forever, and then you need to start making plans for the future, either in baseball, maybe broadcasting, maybe coaching, maybe scouting, maybe training, or in something else. Now. Uh, some of the players in the United States do go through the NCAA system, similar to what you see in pro basketball and American football. So for some of these guys, they do have a, an academic, um, somewhat academic uh, background to fall back upon. But um, even in the MLB, you know, you, you can you can look at stories of some superstars uh, back in the 70s and 80s, and, and, and once their career is over, it's, it's not a happy ending for a lot of these guys. So I think it gets back to maybe the race, the way some of these guys are raised as kids, uh, having a good agent, having a good support system. So like I said, that they know that, that this is a very, you know, unless you're one of the few, uh, you have a very short uh, professional ba uh, baseball career, and you need to be putting money aside and planning for something uh, in your post-baseball career, which for many of these guys can start in their 20s. So I don't know what's available for the KBO players, but not much is what I would assume. What have you heard? Um, a few guys ended up going into broadcasting, like Lee Seung-yup and Young Jun-yuk have uh, TV sure. roles that they fulfill. Lee Seung-yup most recently went into commentary uh, Jong Min Chul, former legendary pitcher for the 
Hanwa, and I believe he played for Bingere as well, the Eagles. He ended up doing uh, commentary and broadcasting, but what ends up happening for a majority of the younger players is they, uh, exactly as you were saying, they just don't end up getting involved in baseball past their career. So in terms of what a large number of them do, I'm not entirely sure. Hmm. I, I wonder, um, we've talked about the Futures League. Um, hmm. I know that some Korean universities um, have some pretty famous teams, but I wonder how many of these guys that go through the KBO have a college or university degree to fall back on. And for anyone who doesn't know much about Korea, uh, post-secondary education is absolutely vital for any success in, in adulthood. That's actually a really good question. I, Off the top of my head, I don't know. Like, most Korean players are drafted out of high school right? and will end up going directly into a team from their senior year after they graduate. Yeah. But then from that point onwards, like the guys who go through university, like Na Sung Bum's a very rare exception where he makes it through high school, doesn't get drafted, starts university. I don't actually know if he managed to finish his degree. Mm. Yeah. Um, That's a really interesting point. Now, in, in not to not to take this away from the KBO or baseball, and I'll try and say this real quick, you do see uh, in American sports like American football and basketball, there are certain draft rules that require the player have had uh, a certain amount of education um, through university. Um, and, and that's sort of to, like in the NBA, trying to prevent players from going from high school right into pro ball. Um, mm. But going again, going back to the KBO, like I, I know Yonsei has a team, which is a very prestigious university here, and in Korea, uh, university has a you know, and they have a famous rivalry in pro sports or in um, co collegiate sports. But I really don't think uh, a lot of those guys go on to pro careers because they've gone to a prestigious university. So it'd be interesting mm. to find that out, though. Indeed, um, Andrew Farrell, do you have any thoughts on this? Uh, on the university thing, though, like I know if you go back through some of the older players' uh, careers on Naver, you'll see a lot of them did go to university. Definitely in recent years, it's not the same thing. And, like, it is comparable with a lot of other sports, like soccer, for example. The difference, obviously, being that baseball players are not earning anywhere near as much money as their soccer counterparts. So it's, it's, it's a tricky situation to, to face into if you're, if you're a parent of these kids and you're not sure if they should take that contract with the Samsung Lions or continue to university. Um, it's a decision I'd, I'd hate to have to make myself, but fortunately I was never good enough to, to worry about that. But yeah, definitely. And as regards to the Kim Heroes thing, I guess for their particular season, if, um, if Son Yok is worried about what happened last year, in the Korean series too, if he's concerned about maybe the players, because um, they were blown out by, by Dusan 4-0 in the Korean series. As yeah. we know, you almost always win the Korean series if you win the pennant in this league. It's eight out of the last 10 years that the team that's finished top has won the league. Um, and I, I would have just presumed that the focus for every manager, if you're in the top three, at the top three especially, would be to get that top spot for a team like the Tigers or the Giants. Or the LG Twins maybe don't have to worry about that as much, but if um, the heroes want to win the championship, more than likely they're going to have to top the table at the end of the season. And that brings up its own pressures then in regards to um, relief pitchers and starting pitchers. Indeed. 
And thus we come full circle. So moving on, we've um, noticed that Raul Alicantra has picked up a pretty unique tradition. I'm not sure if this happens in MLB. We'll ask Mr. Hyder in a second. But uh, what happens is many KBO teams will actually write the numbers of injured teammates in chalk or some kind of Sharpie pen on their hat. So Raul Alicantra this season has been sporting the numbers 34 and 45 over the last week or so. For his teammates, Chris Flexton, who is out with a broken foot that he took off of a comebacker, and Eong Chan, who is out for the season after elbow surgery. Raul Alicantra has actually um, credited Eong Chan with helping him a lot in terms of the grip he has on his forkball. So um, this seems like a pretty cool tradition. What do you think, Kaida? Is there anything like this in American sports or Canadian sports? Well, as far as what do I think of the tradition, uh, I like it. You know, it, it's nice to keep close to your heart your players that are not doing so well. So I think it's a great idea. As far as uh, in North American sports, with the except, obvious exception of players who have passed away, uh, you don't really see anything like this. In the event of a player's untimely passing, uh, you'll mm -hmm. see a uh, special um, crests or patches printed up and worn on the sleeves of the jerseys. There was a Florida Marlins player who, who lost his life a couple of years ago, and, and he was well-remembered um, through ceremony and acknowledgement. But as far as injuries go, uh, I'm going to go on the record and say no, unless maybe it's a horrific career ending injury um, you don't really see this sort of uh, behavior um, All right, then. in North American sport okay cool moving on to our discussion topics of today then we're going to have a bit of interesting news a bit of bad news and then a bit of good news so our interesting news is a bit of aesthetics Kia and Samsung broke out some classic uniform designs this week for their series in Guangzhou the Kia's uniform was evocative of the 1982 Hete Tigers uniform after they did away with the italicized H and just had a nice, clean, simple design that kind of, in terms of the hat logo, resembled the old Hanshin Tigers logo. But the main uniform itself has that block red coloring, the black pants with the stripe down the sides, and basically has been a staple of the Hete Tigers and Kia Tigers uniform color scheme since the dawn of time. Samsung, meanwhile, donned their 1989 to 1994 uniform throwback. If you want more information on that uniform, you can check out the video I put on YouTube a couple of weeks ago, which is the Grand Slam KBO Ranked series covering the Samsung Lions uniforms from 1982 through to the present day. Gentlemen. What do we think of the uniforms that were on display today? Andrew, you go first. Yeah, from the Tigers' point of view, I like it. Uh, I like the, the red and the black. Interesting enough, yesterday I was watching the game with four older Korean baseball fans, and none of them liked, liked the kid. I just thought that was really interesting, that they were not interested in the Tigers' mm -hmm. red and black. Um, it is unusual to see Kia playing in red at home as well, but I think it's pretty cool. My only issue with it is uh, they kept the current numbering system, which doesn't look nice. Like the numbers, the four and the five or the three, the, the style of font or whatever you call it that they use to write the numbers isn't mm -hmm. nice. And I actually think it detracts somewhat from the jersey. I can see why they obviously they have to put Kia and Tigers on the jersey. 
it's the name of the team. But I think they they probably could have done a little bit more just to make it slightly more authentic. But yeah, it was nice. The mm. Samsung one was really cool as well. Um, the Tigers, in my recollection, my recollection from being here eleven or so years, this is not something they do on a regular basis. This yeah. is I saw them do it once a couple of years ago, and then this year. Normally, if they do produce a special uniform, it's pure crap. To be honest, like a Woody, um, like a Woody one from um, Toy Story. But this is not a terrible uniform. This is a nice one. The Kia Tigers put out an interesting uniform earlier this season with uh, Guangzhou, the city name inside of it as well. That was a pretty sleek design. Do you think they're <laughs> yeah. finally getting the hang of marketing now? Yeah, but I don't. The idea of having Guangzhou is nice, but was the uniform nice? I wonder how many they'll sell. There, it's a hundred thousand won for that uniform, and I wouldn't buy it. Mm. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. There's not a chance in hell I'd spend a hundred thousand won on a uniform that looks like that. What, Unfortunately, I, to get one that's Guangzhou, but not like that. A question for you guys: How do you think uh, the Kia Tiger fans would respond to a uniform that instead of saying Guangzhou said uh, Jola? Ooh, 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 that'd be nice. They're the only that, would co- that would cover their alternative stadium as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I like the idea, but because uh, without getting into uh, too much uh, Korean uh, culture discussion, I think I think uh, the whole Jola name across the jersey would, would 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 I don't know be received well. Yeah, presumably. Yeah, they have a lot of. Like a lot of their players have come from Sunchan, which is just south of Guangzhou, and then Jeonju, which is just slightly north in Jalabukdo, where the likes of Choi Yang-u are from. And obviously the Tigers used to play games in Jeonju and Gunsan before. And by the looks of it, they're going to be moving back to um, Jeonju for a few series every year from now on. Yeah, it's mm. definitely something they could, they could probably do. Uh, it would definitely spice it up. Um, I, just, I just think they could probably cost a little bit less than they are. That's the only thing I would say about those and, big ones. And for fans or, or listeners who don't know, Guangzhou uh, is a city that's essentially located in the province of Jola. Jola Do, there's, there's Jola North, Jola South, but we'll just say Jola Do for the purpose of the podcast. So that's basically what we're getting at here. All right, then. I think that's about enough for the Kia side of things. What did you guys think of the Samsung one? Nice. Uh, under This is their first year. Uh, under Armour, pr- uh, providing jerseys for the Samsung Lions, and I think it's the first time they provided any uniforms in the KBO. Uh, I like the jersey. I like the Samsung written in Korean. Uh, I like the white jersey. I would never own a white jersey because I know what happens to white jerseys that I own, but uh, <laughs> it looks beautiful on television, and uh, I love the batting helmets, the baby blue and the white. Yeah, that looked pretty slick. How they managed to get the old logo, like the old 94, 93-ish logo, and just have that split color scheme on it, where it's like a panel of white with the logo in it. That was really sleek. I liked that. That's right. With the the baby blue, sort of the wraparound in the back of the helmet. Yeah. All right, then. I think that's about enough about aesthetics. Unfortunately, while we're talking about Samsung, we do have a bit of bad news from the Lions side of things. And that was announced yesterday by Ho Sang Young, the manager of the Samsung Lions, who mentioned that Tyler Saladino's hip injury apparently seems to be worse than initially expected. Not sure if it's his hip or his lower back, but it appears as though it's going to be a long-term thing. 
and it's going to keep him out to a counterproductive level. So his contract either has been or is about to be terminated and he will be released by the Samsung Lions. From what he mentioned in the interview that he put out, he's said that there isn't a replacement that the team has in mind. And in the meantime, Kujaoka has taken his spot in left field and Isong Gon has taken over Gujauk's spot as the DH for the team. So first off, like obviously we have to wish him well. We it's never good for people to be injured and even worse for people to lose their spot due to injury. Like Justin Maxwell for the Lotte Giants had a similar issue a couple of seasons ago where he ended up getting dropped. Chimaduti as well because of pain medication that he had to take to cover his injury. He ended up getting released from the team for a drugs violation. So in terms of Tyler Saladino, like I hope and I think I can speak well for all three of us that we hope you have a full recovery Mm. and that you do well going forward. But in terms of the reason that this might have happened, do either of you guys have anything that you think might motivate this for Samsung? Uh, no, um, I'm not sure. I was surprised that he was let go. Actually, to be honest with you, at the start of the season, I thought he would struggle the same way as Tyler Motter did for the Keem Heroes. But I think as we found out, there were some, I think there were some injury issues at the start of the season. In his last 10 games, he was batting over 300 and he was definitely mm. begin, beginning to become a, an integral part of that, that Samsung team. And Samsung are pretty good this year as well. And it's not going to be easy for them now to replace a guy who is... I think by the end of his KBO career, he was batting around 280. His last appearance was on July the 15th against the Tigers. But it's not going to be easy to replace a guy who is batting 313 in his last 10 appearances, 280 for the season, especially with a two-week quarantine thing coming up. And clearly the Lions don't have anybody in mind who they want to bring in yet. It's going to be hard to pick up another guy like Addison Russell, a player mm. of that quality is not going to be floating around too often. I think this is a really bad situation for for Samsung Lions. It's going to be really hard for them, I think, to get an upgrade on on Saladina, somebody who's going to just arrive in the league um, and play, I don't know, they've played 68 games so far. So whoever comes in next has to play half the season. I guess there is a lot of time there to get up to speed with the pitchers in this league. But it's not going to be easy. This could be one of those moves, unfortunately. It's going to be one of those moves which goes on to derail Samsung somewhat. Indeed. like They were a club which had some really strong playoff aspirations and Tyler Saladino was right there at the start of the lineup that led to a lot of their success earlier in the season. So like, obviously they're going to have to try and find a replacement, but do they have enough time to do that? Because I believe the deadline for replacements, usually it's somewhere in the middle of August. That would give them a couple of weeks to announce, sign a guy, and then bring him in. Like, they'll have the quarantine, but I believe if they get the signature on paper by around the middle of August, they should be okay. Off the top of my head, I don't know the exact deadline, though. But um, in terms of replacements, like, there's a lot of outfield talent available from the minor league teams, because minor league MLB or MILB, I believe it's... um, Yeah, that's right. Shortened to. So um, MILB's basically got a lot of players who are still under contract, but able to 
kind of deputized somewhere for a year. So it could be the case where those guys who are on a year off might actually get an opportunity to go to Samsung or I don't know, like, Heider, do you have any ideas on any particular talent that could come in? Are there any particularly big names in minor league baseball at the moment? Um, at, at this time, I, I'm not aware because um, minor league baseball is not only not happening, but mm-hmm. has been reduced to about 30% of, uh, of teams. In other words, MLB has basically just got rid of like 60% of the teams. So, no, I, I can't think of any, mm-hmm. any names that come to mind. That's fair enough. So going forward for Samsung, like, do you think they have enough depth available in their squad to actually make the playoffs now then? Um, just to, the point you're making there before is all this is, I also think this is probably the wrong time to be looking for a player. Yeah. Um, now that MLB has come back as well, I think the shop window has fo- has changed now onto uh, Major League Baseball, whereas maybe a month or two ago when there was so much uncertainty over what happened in North America, maybe coming to Korea, mm-hmm. Or Japan would have seemed like a much more attractive option for these players. Um, as for, sir, what was your question again, Matt? Uh, the question was, um, if you want to keep talking about the um, MLB side of things and what's going to happen with the teams, then that's fantastic. But no, the no, question no, was, do the Lions at this point have enough depth left over to push on and try to make the playoffs? Yeah, I would have thought so. I mean, they're, they're only missing, I guess they're just missing one player. They do have quite a lot of um they do have quite a lot of talent in their team and they are sitting um i think they're sitting on a 500 record at the moment as well so over the course of the season they have been playing pretty well but kuja look especially if you got a guy that came in the team and, and he had two he's batting 251 at the, at the moment but he is a really good um shortstop he wants soccer third base too there is quite a lot of talent in that team um what i saw of them this weekend against the tigers and they were good for large uh, parts of that series, but they seemed to lose games towards the end of the game. And that was more to do with relief pitching as opposed to what anything the batters were doing. So I think they probably still have enough talent with their bats. The problem for the Samsung Lions might actually be elsewhere, and that's something that Saladino might have been able to fix for them. Yeah, quite possibly. Like, uh, Isam Gon has come in as the DH and done fantastically well. He's having basically a career season at the moment. He's not had more than a dozen starts in each of the last three seasons. This season, he's got some... What was it? He's got, yeah, like 57 games under his belt already now. He's doing pretty well. So he's got the experience, but I do worry about the rest of the team after that. Well, just like Isangan, I think, is an interesting one because he had, he had a home run against the Tigers today. Mm. Um, and then at a later at-bat, the Samsung management decided that he should bunt players into position in the seventh inning with the game, with one run in the game. And Samsung didn't score from that in the end. I know it's, again, related to Saladina, but they gotta, they got to be smarter with their players. I don't think it... Like there's only so much Saladini can do, but like the management really have to make slightly better decisions than that, I think. Indeed. Well, we will see exactly what ends up happening because um, at the moment, even upwards of third is anybody's. We'll be talking about it when we do the recap of the week, but right now third and eighth are separated by five games, I believe it is. So uh, those top spots three are anybody's. Top three are sorted out. Excuse me, top three are sorted. Don't worry about that. Um, focus <laughs> on the there. 
Just don't don't worry about Kia. <laughs> Top three are sorted. That's it. Move on. Move on. Top three. Mo- moving on. Well, our best wishes to Tyler Saladino, and we hope that you recover well and have all the success that you can enjoy in the future. So, our last bit of news, which is going to be a bit of good news, is we have fans back in the stadium. On Friday, 24th of July, it was announced by the government that tickets would go on sale and that fans would be allowed in by the 26th of June, that is, two, or 26th of July, and that is today. So tickets went on sale yesterday via several different sources. The team apps had a few of them. We also had a few tickets available via Ticketlink and other websites. But uh, yeah, in terms of what's ended up happening fans are back they were in the stadiums they made a lot of noise today despite being at just 10 percent capacity so gentlemen let's talk about it fans good to have them back yes i think so uh i think uh <laughs> athletes around the world uh, at least certainly the ones that are playing uh, are making the case that fan noise and fan participation is making it makes a big difference and I've heard a lot of MLB players say the piped in the piped in noise doesn't do a thing, but it's got to be that organic, authentic fan noise. And I think the KBO it probably has a bigger impact than maybe any other league in, in pro sports. So yeah, I think it's it's exciting for the fans. I think it's exciting for the players. I think it's a very positive thing. All right, Andrew Farrell, did you get a chance to listen to any of the games today? I know you were visiting your. Um... Korean in-laws so yeah. the answer did you get is no a chance to watch any of them I didn't I got to see absolutely no baseball today so I will watch the highlights later on today and see what I can make of that and the funny thing is about all that that was all is anytime we spoke to pitchers in the past like Josh Lindblom or David Hoff and mm-hmm. uh, big up Jake Brigham on the show what a lot of them would say to you is when they're on the mound, they find a way to zone out the noise of a packed Jamshill Stadium, 26,000 people in the middle of the summer. It's mm. not exact, not just that they're using this to their advantage, especially for the home team, but they find a way to completely block out the noise. But then, you know, obviously at the same time, they really miss having that particular fan noise in the stadium, mm. in the ballparks too. Uh, 10% tickets. I am skeptical as to when I'd be able to go watch a game. I'd be surprised if it's within the next month. Um, Despite the fact that the Kim Heroes have no fans, I'd still be surprised if it was in the next month. I'd love to go watch a game. And to be honest with you, I couldn't care what KBO regulations are brought in in regards to food and drink inside the stadium or where I must sit or the fact that I can't sit with people I'm going with. I would absolutely love to be at a, at a ballpark watching a game as soon as possible. So that's a great thing. And hopefully there are no spiking cases from the opening weekend. And then over the next mm-hmm. two weeks or so, it stays that way. And then hopefully we can push it up to 25% capacity um, by the middle of August. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty good progression. So um, I did actually get a chance to flip through a few of the channels in the last couple of hours before we started recording. I am proud to say, as a Lotte Giants fan, that they were the loudest bunch of lunatics. It may have actually been because of the dome, just having fantastic acoustics inside. But um, Lotte were definitely the loudest set of fans, especially for the road teams. Jamshil and Guangzhou crowds put in a respectable amount of noise. And the KT Wiz 
I couldn't really hear the fans over the sound of the speakers, but um, I could hear them on the Samjin or Strike 3 chants quite a bit. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting to a game myself. Like in terms of fan noise, when you've got, even when you've got a packed crowd, like which team do you think provides the biggest amount of noise or which one, which game have you been to where you were just really impressed by the noise that the fans were making? I'll go with Farrell first on this one. A couple of, okay, I'm going to answer that question in a second and uh, the game with the most amount of noise. You mentioned there as well about Guangzhou. I, th- I was convinced that Guangzhou and Daejeon had no fans yet because of local issues with regards to, maybe, maybe I read that wrong, but I was going to actually mention before then, it would be cool if every team had fans in it, but I just kind of thought that Guangzhou and Daejeon were not allowed to bring fans in yet. So I'll definitely I'll have a look out for that when it comes up. As regards to your other question, what a, what a question to ask. I, I knew you were going to say Lotte Giants. Um, <laughs> the thing I was going to ask you about that was, How did could I not? put the trash, cat, the trash bags on their head in the seventh inning? Or is that, because they do that at, at, at road games too. Did you notice if they actually put the trash, bin, the trash yeah, bags on Yeah, you do. I've seen them. The first time I ever saw it was at a game in Jamsa. Sorry to interject, fellas, but. I was one of the first three games I was ever at, and it was with one of my Korean friends who was who was um, living in Seoul, but his hometown was uh, Busan, and everyone just started putting plastic bags on their heads. I'm like, what, what, what could you possibly be doing? Is this going to be some suffocation thing? But no, it was just uh, it was just them uh, cheering the team on. Did they do it today? I didn't actually see. I don't think they got to, though, because usually it's um, a bunch of people who hand them out. So maybe the restrictions forbid that at the moment. But who knows? Maybe they're just saving it for when they're down in Busan first. Uh, To answer your original question, I think I've I've been, unfortunately, I've been many times to Jamshil and Moonhack and seen my Tigers getting um, beaten in the bottom of the ninth. 10th, 11th, 12th, whatever. And I think the loudest time, the loudest noise I've ever heard in Korea, I think, are walk-off hits. And that they tend to be at either of those two ballparks, either Jamshil or Moonhack. Um, so I, I can't really pick out anything in particular. I remember you and I were in in Jamshil when the Tigers won the series <coughs> in uh, 2017. And there was a quite a light, large noise when uh, Ibam Ho hit his, his grand slam. I just want to add that in there as well, of course. But uh, otherwise, yeah, I think every ballpark <laughs> is loud if you're there at, a, at the right time. Fun side note, that um, grand slam ball landed like one block to our right. That moonshot, yeah, it was beautiful. So yeah, every, every ballpark is loud. I, can't, I really can't think of a single moment that really stands out in terms of crowd noise it definitely wasn't the pakistan versus mongolia game that could have been <laughs> that was all you guys <laughs> fantastic um Hyder, do you have any uh, memorable games that you've been to where you just thought good god this is kbo well i'm not a latte fan but i have had a chance to go to a couple of games in sajik where they they play um at their home stadium. And yeah, there were some pretty, pretty loud moments there watching Ide Ho at bat. And I, I'm going to say without have ha- without having a noise meter with me, that was probably one of the loudest experience I had in Korea at a baseball game was at Sajik Stadium. Watching okay. the Giants play, I believe it was the Tigers. So 
rival and it was it was a hot summer day and it was lots of fun and yeah lots of cheering rod were you wearing your hot pink on black you know what i wasn't wearing hot pink uh i had no idea what i was wearing but uh i um i i don't don't actually remember a lot of that game but i do remember the beginning and the noise Fantastic. For me, like one of my most memorable ones was back a couple of seasons ago when Willen Rosario was playing for the um, Hanwar Eagles. It was very early on in the season, and I was just blown away by the noise that the Hanwar fans were making when they were visiting Jamshil to play against the Doosan Bears. Like it was just backwards and forwards with like chants getting reactions from other chants. So, you know, um, whenever uh, the pitcher tries to pick off the guy at first, the Doosan chant is, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. The Hanwha fans ended up going, where, 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 in response, which is just like Korean for why. So it's like, hey, what? And it just went backwards and forwards for a solid three to four minutes. And it was beautiful. Mm. Like a back and forth between the fans. Yeah. And like, for those 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 guys who haven't had and gals that haven't had a chance to go to a ball game in Korea, um, most stadiums they try to divide the fans. Um, home team usually, I think Guangzhou or Kia is an exception. The home fans are on the on the right side, and the visiting fans are on the left side. So that creates an environment where it can actually go back and forth from an acoustic perspective. Indeed. Um, it used to be an exception in Mokdong as well. The uh, Heroes used to have third base as their home as well. Okay. But um, since moving to the Dome, they've changed over to first. Isn't, isn't Daegu? Is Daegu, aren't the, the Lions on the third base in Daegu? I'm not actually sure. I know they used to be in Citizens Field. Yeah. But since moving to Samsung Lions Park, I'm not entirely sure. No, I I'll have to uh, talk to some Samsung fans. I've How, been, do you have any idea? one game at the new ballpark and I did sit along the the first baseline. They have these sta- these seats that you're actually sort of dug in, like your legs and your feet are below the level uh, of play and your, your body is sort of above. And uh, that was definitely the Samsung uh, home team base. Okay, so they're on the first base side then. Correct. Are you, no, I, I'm absolutely sure. We could definitely check this out because I, I saw Samsung against Kia there before and we were in the, the first base side as a Tigers fan. Hmm. At the Lions Park? At the new one, yeah. Okay. Maybe they changed over. It's possible. It was also my birthday that I was there for, so um, um, recollections may not be as, as uh, accurate as they should be. All right, then. So um, we do have a little bit of unfortunate news that's coming out of these um, tickets going available online, and that is it's the fastest finger gets the tickets. And as a result, there's been a lot of tickets that have gone online for resale. Call them scalpers, touts, whatever you want. The tickets have gone on sale on the Ticket Bay website. And for the Jamshill game... Tickets that would normally be about 15 to 17 bucks were going on sale for 65 for um, the game today. So, gentlemen, 
what's our opinion on scalpers or touts or whatever you want to call them? Scumbags. <laughs> Absolute scumbags. Anyone who tries to resell a ticket at a higher price than they paid, uh, uh, I mean, they're some of the worst people in the sporting industry. Now, if you've got a ticket that you can no longer use and you're selling them at face value, I have no issues with that. You know, that, that's, that's completely fine. Or even a small 2 or $3 fee on top of it, no big issue. But people who try to profit off sport in that way, it makes me sick. That's my opinion. Andrew Fell? Uh, to be honest with you, you said 65000 I Honestly, I thought it was going to be higher than that if we we're going to have the conversation and touts. Having been to – or having tried to get tickets in Jamshill on a regular Friday or a Saturday in the middle of May, June, July, mm. um, that's not that's, – I don't think that's unusual. And I remember n- nowadays, Doosan tries to – Doosan are always playing LG, like the traditional <laughs> Children's Day matchup in Jamshill. But there was a time not too long ago when I saw Doosan are playing the Tigers there we were, myself and my wife, are quoted 65,000, um, 65 or 70,000 for one outfield seat to see the Tigers oh. against the Bears. And that was, wow. that's at a full, that's at a full Jamshill Stadium. So, I mean, I, I don't like it as well. I think it's awful. Um, that has to be better regulated than this, but I don't have the, the answers of how it can possibly be that way unless tickets can only be sold back through the official KBO app. But things like this are always going to happen. 65,000, honestly, I, I would have presumed it was going to be higher than that. But at the same time, it's still awful because, of course, you are pricing um, decent regular fans out of a game. So I think yeah. the KBO – because one thing that they did do is I remember years ago – and I, Matt, you probably remember this, Brad. I'm not, I'm not too sure. but Yeah, a couple uh, of seasons ago, ago, I know where you're going with this. Yeah, when you used to see the scalpers or the touts outside exit five, yeah. but then eventually they were kind of pushed – they're pushed underground. So you could still see them like, you know, messing around the, the, the ticket turnstile area inside the, the station at the, at the stadium. But generally it was much harder to find these guys now than it was five or six years ago. So they yeah. did a good job with that. And the, the, the Korean series in 2017, if you caught, if you got a picture of a Tao trying to illegally sell a ticket, I think there was a there was a reward there of a ticket for the Kia Dusan series that year as well, which seems like an incredible <laughs> offer to offer. And then, and then there were there, there was this huge commotion. I remember outside Exit Five one time because people thought they'd seen a scout trying to offload tickets, and then there were loads of people trying to take photographs of this guy because I think they'd been offered a free ticket in exchange for the photograph. So there there has to be a better solution than that as well. But they really need to get a grip on this. Well, yeah, agreed. You can't outsource your um, regulation enforcement to, to, to just general members of the public because I don't see that ending well. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty unsuccessful. The league tried to release their own ticket resale app a couple of seasons ago after everything went to Interpark because what would happen was when um, Interpark for the postseason games got the contract to sell every postseason ticket, regardless of teams. Yeah. And what they would do is they'd reserve several blocks of multiple tickets for corporate employees of whatever Chebel or whatever company was being represented by their team in that stage of the playoffs. And what a lot of those people would do is they would just fob them on resale websites instantly. Mm. So, um, I believe the um, Hanwar Eagles, when they ended up getting to the playoffs a few seasons ago, 
the tickets on resale there were going for a million one each. That's like a thousand bucks a ticket for the first game. Ah, criminal. Scumbags. So, yeah, like the league did try to set up its own website to regulate it and to encourage resell. I believe they accepted up to 1.5 times the value on that app, but it just didn't end up working because, well, Ticket Bay didn't follow the league's request for them to not allow those tickets. So, yeah, very much so. Hopefully it will get sorted out soon when more people get allowed into the stadiums. But I think with the state of COVID right now, a lot of people are concerned about actually going to the stadiums at all. So it's for now kind of working to depress the ticket prices a little bit. But like a lot of people have spoken out for the need for fans to be there. Like Farrell, you mentioned before that guys in MLB were talking about some just the piped-in noise not being the same as an actual crowd. And like um, one of the guys for Samsung, David Buchanan, said a very similar thing, basically saying that it feels kind of wrong for the fans to not be there. And he wants to try and help the fans feel involved. Like he and a few other players have done a lot of fun things like interacting with TV cameras just to get the fans involved. And I hope they continue to do that going forward especially while the stadiums are still at 10% capacity. But in terms of ticket resells and other such like that happening, it's sad. And I don't really know what the league is going to try next to try and solve it. Yeah, same. Yeah, I, I, I had thought, um, you know, and, and the league had introduced a lot of requirements um, for these games because of COVID, like uh, limitation on sales of uh, concessions uh, one person, like if you want to go with your wife, you and your wife have to separately buy tickets through your account and, and you can't sit side by side. I had thought there had been some level of regulation brought in to make sure that the purchaser of the ticket had to be the spectator who was actually there. But I guess um, there's either ways mm-hmm. around that or there's no enforcement of that. But I'd kind of like the idea of the fact that, you know, if, if I buy the ticket as Bradley Hyder and um, my name is on the ticket, it's got to match up with my identification that I present. But who knows? Indeed. Uh, Andrew Farrell, anything to add before we move on? Nope. I just hope to go to a game soon. And I can't wait till I'm in a ballpark. That's, that's, that's pretty much it. Here, here. You and I both. Here, here. All right, then, everyone. That's enough for the news. Let's move on to the weekly review. (laughs) Okay, it's been an interesting week because of all the rain this week. So let's start out with a review of how our teams have done. We'll begin with Andrew Farrell talking about the MC Dinos. I just want to make a point again. I've got four out of the 10 teams, which is fine, but one of them is the Hanwha Eagles yet again. I apologize to all the Hanwha Eagles fans out there that I seem to be reviewing your team a lot. I wish your team all the best. I guess if the Tigers were not going to be winning KBO championships, I I could probably settle for the Hanwha Eagles in second place. Unfortunately, I only have bad news for you yet again. 
Um, if you've even, you know, if Hanwha fans are even bothering to watch the league anymore, I wouldn't, wouldn't hold it against them if they weren't. So, yes, Matthew, we're going to start with the NC Dinos. And NC were the beneficiaries of a walk-off hit to start the week when Samsung took them to extra innings in Changwon. Wednesday and Thursday were rained, and NC returned to action in Suwon at the weekend for what seems like a weekly matchup with the KT Wiz. They dropped two games, including a late collapse on Sunday. A mediocre week for Bradley's overrated Dinos. Yes. So speaking of Hyder, Hyder is going to review the Doosan Bears. Um, they're my favorite team, actually. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> they're my former favorite team. Or are they? Nobody knows. Anyways, regardless of which team I support this week or next week, the Doosan Bears had a light week. The uh, Art Todia managed to get in four games, four matches, going in two for two. And they finished the last full, full week of play in July in second place. That is the Deuce on Bears. I'm going to start by talking about the Kium Heroes. It's been a pretty poor week for them. They ended up going one and three in their games that didn't end up getting rained out. A loss on Tuesday to Doosan and two losses in the first two games at the Gochok Stydome to Lotte saw them drop to fourth on the end of a four-loss streak. They did end on a positive note, though, today, as they welcomed the first crop of fans back into the stadium by convincingly beating the Lotte Giants, ending that losing streak. But uh, this week, it's not been the best for the heroes. Played four, won one, lost three. And I shall continue on where Matt left by talking about the Lotte Giants. Um, they were actually the third team to lose to a walk-off on Tuesday. SK Wyverns' first uh, baseman, Jamie Romack, with a killer blow via two-run homer in the ninth. Lotte then moved east to Seoul and collected a valuable series win over the Kiem Heroes in Gochok. Sunday's loss will be a disappointment when Kiem announced their pitcher, but a series win nonetheless. Great, uh, decent week for the Lotte Giants. All right, we have got the Kia Tigers up next. The Field Dali uh, managed four complete outings amidst the, amidst, amidst the rain. They did great winning all four matches. They did great winning all four matches against the Eagles and the Lions. This, of course, leaves folks in the southwest of Korea and one Irishman in Seoul. Very, very happy. <laughs> Look out, Bears. The Tigers are gunning for you. Next up, we have the KT Wiz. So after a seventh inning eight spot, just your typical bit of KB onus, followed by a walk-off that put away the LG Twins on Tuesday, the KT Wiz took full advantage of the rainouts that happened in midweek to prepare for their weekend series against the NC Dinos. They tighten up their defense and for some reason, they seem to just have NC's number for the last few parts of the season. They held the Dinos to just nine runs across three games, picking up two wins in the process. So, as a result, four games played, three wins, one loss. 
The LG Twins beaten in Suwon on Tuesday 9-8, courtesy of a ninth-inning walk-off home run by the GOAT, Mel Rojas Jr. The Twins had led 8-1 and did a very twinsy thing to throw it all away, but then they did something they don't normally do, and that's beat the Doosan Bears in the Jamshill series. It didn't go without any hitches, of course, but congratulations, LG Twins. An overdue series win over their Jamshill flatmates. The Lions are looking to put a rough week behind them. They only completed three matches this week, losing all of them, including two losses in a cat fight against the Tigers of Jola Province. And that is all I have to say about the Lions. Nothing wrong with a bit of cats. KBO Cats in the KBO Hall of Fame. Moving on, we have the SK Wyverns. They... Um, they have actually had a bit of a refreshing change of pace this week. Due to the aforementioned monsoon season, they were unable to play two of their games versus the Lotte Giants, so they ended up winning that series 1-0, and they ended up unable to play one of their games against the Hanwha Eagles. With a walk-off on Tuesday against Lotte and two convincing outings against the Eagles, they've managed to win all three games that they got to play this week and are now enjoying a rare four-game win streak. Played three, won three. And finally, the Hanwha Eagles. Unlike eight other teams in Korean baseball, the Hanwha Eagles managed to squeeze in two midweek games whilst the rest of the country was submerged in water. They lost both to Kia Tigers and Daejeon with Wednesday's 2-1 uh, loss one of the least exciting games played of baseball this season. They lost two games to the second-worst team in the KBO, SK Wyverns, at the weekend. On Sunday, they blew a bases-loaded one-out chance with a classic Hanwha double play. On Monday, they will host Saturday's rained-out game. That's another bad, bad week for the Hanwha Eagles. So at the end of all of that, the current table stands as follows. The NC Dinos still maintain their vice grip on first place, with the Doosan Bears trailing five and a half games behind. The Kia Tigers and Kium Heroes pull forward a little bit from these teams in 6th, 7th, and 8th, but still a five-game gap separates the third-place Kia Tigers from the eighth-place Lotte Giants. The KT Wiz have leapfrogged the Samsung Lions and ended up taking six, getting within two games of a playoff berth. Meanwhile, the Wyverns and the Eagles are still enjoying their time down in the basement. <laughs> enjoying. I like that word. Well, if you turn the table upside down, then they're first and second. Hey. Let's move on to the Hall of Fame. If you like a lot of madness in your baseball, KB. Oh. Right then. Welcome to this week's edition of the Grand Slam KBO Hall of Fame, where, for those of you unfamiliar with the format, we each nominate something that is loosely related to baseball, be it a person, place, concept, or abstract train of thought, and then we leave it up to the wonderful people out in the vast internet to decide which one needs to join the other Hall of Fame nominees. So, let's start out with a quick recap of which nominee from last week ended up winning. Our nominations last week were, in last place for me, with three votes that were cast, was a wonderful book which I still recommend everybody read if you're interested in Asian baseball, and that is Gotta Have War by Robert Whiting. 
Apparently, there are three people who have common sense. But then a very hotly contested uh, affair between your two nominations. We had the ever-so-classic four-for-ten deal on beer that you can find in the Pyeongchang anywhere in Korea. That was Andrew Farrell's nomination. And Bradley Hyder, his nomination was the Seoul Metro System. Now, based on the number of votes that have been cast, we can actually figure out a lot of people live in the Seoul Metro System. From the MyKBO set of votes, we had 17 votes cast for the 4 for 10, and 18 cast for the Metro System. Oh my god. However, I haven't checked the Twitter results. So, the results of the Twitter poll are... Out of five votes, one for Gotta Have War. Yes. And then it's three and one for the others. The one with three votes, therefore taking first place, is four tall boys for 10,001. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Ooh. Ida. That <laughs> win evades oh. you yet again. Mother. <laughs> <laughs> If you look at the comment section under the MyKBO article, I love the commentary of Andre Al, Virgil Hodges, and Matthew Hanna, and they are all livid that <laughs> Matthew, or that Brad's suggestion, Bradley Hyder's suggestion of this whole subway system was collecting so many votes. It is a wonderful subway system that's relevant only to the people living in Gyeonggi-do and Seoul and any potential tourists. But the four for 10, of course, can be purchased in every small town, village, and 25 city. 25% of the country. That subway system connects five of the baseball stadiums, though. So it's understandable. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm basically, yeah. But, you know, if you're, if you're living outside Gumi in uh, Chungcheongbukdo or whatever it is, you know, maybe this whole subway system doesn't appeal to you. But a four for ten in GS, GS25, oh. it's got your written all over it. That's Sorry, Ida, cool. that wind still eludes you. Maybe we can make it up this week. Matthew, so, the... Uh, if I nominated free alcohol at baseball stadiums, it would still somehow find a way to lose. Quite possibly. Uh, Has it ever happened? No, but I'm saying if it did, <laughs> I nominated. I, I know that. I know that some minor league stadiums in the states have had dollar beer specials on a couple of their days. There's places in America, even MLB stadiums, at one point where you would pay like a fifty dollar ticket. It was all you could eat. All you could drink, but uh, that sounds amazing. I wouldn't call it free, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll pay for it the next day for sure. You'll pay one way or another. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so let's get on to this week's nominations. So, as the winner, Andrew Farrell, you get the joy of going first. Uh, my nomination is Bradley Hyder because if you vote for me, <laughs> Bradley will give you a free beer outside Jamshill Stadium this Saturday. <laughs> We have to accept your first answer. <laughs> so I want this. I want this Zoom profile picture to be the image that accompanies um, my nomination for Bradley Hyder when it's put on my KBO later. If you vote for me, I want you to give that vote instead, transfer that vote to Bradley, and in exchange, he'll give you a free beer. Does that sound like a reasonable compromise, Bradley? Yeah, it's great. It's a great compromise. Free beer on me. This is a really convoluted way to win. Go on. I shall choose Naver Sports because 
I don't think I'd have the same level of interest or love in Korean baseball if it wasn't for one of two things, my KBO and Neighbor Sports. I was going to say Najiwon as well, but it sounds a bit too man crushers. Um, I checked my phone there earlier on, and Neighbor Sports is the third most accessed app on my phone behind Kakao Talk and Facebook. I spent hours and hours each week looking at the stats there. Now, I know you can get your stats on multiple different apps, but for me, the fact that you can watch the games on Naver, no matter where you are in Korea, if you're out and about, I think Naver Sports, their app is an absolute godsend. It's helped me learn Korean, and it's helped me really get into baseball in this country. And yeah, if I'm just uh, in the car and or on a bus or on a subway somewhere, it's nice just to be able to click one little button on your phone and you can watch KBO on your phone for free thanks to the Neighbor Sports app. So Neighbor Sports it is. Indeed. A couple of um, localization issues for people over in the States, but I believe they can get around it by using a VPN. Have you heard anything from friends of yours stateside about that? Me? No. My brother is somewhat interested in the KBO because he's seen some games before, but he does limit it to whatever ESPN is showing. He's not that interested mm. in watching uh, or go looking for VPN. And a lot of the friends I met over here who have gone back to the US, um, those who are watching are definitely doing it only on ESPN. But then mm. e- even at that point, the uh, the early start time is prohibitive for them. I'll be honest, when I left Korea in 2015 for a couple of years, I, I love the KBO. It's a great league, but I'm not sure I would have the same level of interest in the league if I left, because I think for me, a lot of the KBO is more the fan experience or the fan culture of it, not necessarily what goes on in the field all the time anyway. So I, I do think that a lot of the uh, KBO fans who moved away, they might, they might keep looking, you know, like generally looking at how the games are going without actually watching them. Your, your mate, Andre Linda, could be definitely one of the exceptions in our rule, though. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I will say, though, I believe it's possible for people to watch the video replays of the games after they've been published and gone online for a couple of days. Or I believe it may be possible for them to watch the video replays via Twitch. I'll have to um, contact uh, Lindy and see if anyone else um, over stateside or in Canada that I know is able to test that out. Because if it's possible that I can put together a video for us later where we help explain how people can watch the games and that might help bolster a bit more interest in the league. But yeah, um, yeah so Naver Sports or the yeah, just, uh, nomination for beer? <laughs> yeah, sorry, just one more thing there as well. So just while I'm on the Naver Sports app at the moment, they have 27 videos up on the Samsung Lions 5 Key Tigers 8 game from earlier on today. They include a clip on the best player, highlights, nice pitching, nice pitching, um, RBI hits, and the entire game can be watched back three hours, 40 minutes, and 10 seconds. This is all available on a free app, on the Naver app. It is an absolutely wonderful service. Nice. And people can pass their vote to Haida for an exchange for beer. So, Haida, what is your nomination this week? Well, that's a tough one to follow there, Andrew. But uh, especially for all those people who don't live in the greater Seoul area, I am going to <laughs> nominate the, the Sports Complex Subway Station which is located in Seoul and opened on Halloween, October 1980. This major transfer station for Lions 2 and 7 has everything a sports fan in transit could possibly want for. This is an incredible experience for people who love to uh, take transit 
to a ball game, you don't have to worry about your car or your bike or a taxi. You get safely to the stadium uh, at a very low cost and they've got all the amenities. They've got bathrooms, they've got lockers, there's a coffee shop. There are two convenience stores which offer snacks, soft drinks, and of course uh, a variety of uh, beers available. There's also a shop hockey merch for all KBL teams. Of course, uh, all the sole teams uh, being the priority, but even the visiting teams from across the country have merch being sold underground in the subway station. There's also the lads illegally selling boxes of fried chicken for less than half of what you would actually pay in the ballpark. This allows an unprepared fan to leave the station, exit five or six, towards Jamshell, dressed in team kit with all the drinks, all the fried chicken, and all the snacks you could ever imagine that you'd need in an evening of fun. So that is why I am nominating Sports, Sports Complex Station for this week's Grand Slam KBO Hall of Fame. Are you including like the merch store that's immediately outside exit six and the copper area as well by exit five? Or are you just talking about the underground area? Well, we're talking only underground, which like I said, sells merch for every team. The Thunder Sticks, which have been previously discussed on uh, earlier episodes of this program and, and like covers everything. But we'll, we'll talk about that pro shop another day. But uh, even from an underground level, you can you can walk up those stairs anything you need for a ball game and i believe that's where you're going to be giving everyone who votes for you their beer that's right that's right yeah <laughs> wait wait for bradley outside of exit uh 501 uh for for your free beer with the fantastic you be arm in arm with the touts underneath uh, exit exit 5 of of Sports Complex Station. Uh, there are there are some great photographic opportunities inside that station too. There's the cheering bear, which you can get photographs with as well. Um, yep. So that's that's worth that's something for the kids. Uh, Bradley, just one problem with this though, as you were mentioning there before, like the good thing about neighbor sports is that somebody outside of Gumi in Chungchambukdo can access neighbor sports and watch the game. But you're you're appealing to this the the sole listeners very very hard on your Hall of Fame nominations. It could be an unprepared road fan. There you go. Yeah. Someone who's coming to town on the KTX or an intercity bus. Um, many of those um, outlets get you onto the line two or line nine. I, mm -hmm. I shall use the heavy and our non soul resident group on my KBO to sabotage <laughs> your votes instead pass it on to neighbor sports or whatever matthew has come i don't with. think you need to do that but um anyways yeah i, I don't see this have a hope of hell and willing but <laughs> we'll see we'll see let's go soul metro all right you you also should have mentioned that they have seats shaped like baseball bats down under there as well right in front of the cheering bear photo section Oh. But yeah, lo lovely little station. Like all things considered, like I've gone there unprepared a couple of times, and I've left with a discounted uniform. So I, I can't knock it. It's actually a good choice. Thank you. My choice, however, is baseball cards. Now across the years, 
a large number of teams have done their own private editions of baseball cards, and they've been picked up a couple of times by larger companies such as Teleka or the Superstar Baseball, or most recently, the SCC brand. And I have here, for your viewing pleasure, a couple of examples of some of the quality that is available. So from the old superstars, they would have stuff like rookies of different players, showing some of them oftentimes in their high school uniforms. You'd have different limited editions of players, such as here I've got Kujaok and Papyong Tech limited out of 500. And it's just a lovely way for people to show their fandom, to be able to go buy a couple of packs, which you would be able to get sometimes in those stores in the Jamshil Subway Metro or inside Unique Sports just outside of it. You'd also be able then to take those and get them signed by a player. Like It's one of the greatest joys in life for many of the fans to just meet one of their heroes, have them sign a thing for them, and then they can carry it on forward and show that later to their kids and say, I met that guy. That guy? Big deal. I know him. He signed this for me, and now, son, this is yours. Or, daughter, this is yours. Equal opportunities here. So, baseball cards. Lifelong passion of many people, and... The one thing about Korean baseball cards is they're not impossible to collect like the top sets. Have you had any experience with the Korean baseball cards, gentlemen? Have you ever opened any packs? Scratch that itch. That's a a negative for me, I have to be honest. Um, I appreciate the... um the hobby that it is or whatever, whatever people want to call it. Like I, I do appreciate that people have a, a, like a particular type of interest like this. It's, it's not, it's not for me, but I can see why people are interested in it. Just looking at the cards you have there. Is there anybody, I mean, you kind of flashed, it was kind of hard to see with the light of the camera. Is there anybody particularly famous you have sitting in your deck of cards there? And how much, how much is it? How many cards do you get in a, in a packet? If you go and buy these somewhere, like how many cards you get in the one package? Uh, it depends. Like the old superstar baseball cards would have about 10 or so cards per pack, but then you'd get onto the more limited ones like the blue and gold and black series where they would have five or so cards per pack. And then the SECs, they're back up to a respectable seven to eight, but you'll have all kinds of designs. Like the old superstar baseball ones would have like this. This is Kim Ha-sung's rookie card here. I'll be putting a video or a picture of this in the video so that fans of the show and friends of the show can look at it as well. But then you'd have other stuff like this where you have facsimile autographs being included in the SEC sets. Here is uh, a beautiful one of Amchi Hong that I've selected just to make Andrew Farrell a little happier. Then you have other ones like this one here, Pak Min, where they've got different kinds of foil lettering and stamping different gloss finishes, and even you have different issue or different examples of fans coming up with their own editions as well. So here's a set that I managed to come across called the Vitam set, which um, Korean baseball cards have famously never included any of the foreign players, except for rare editions of the teams. So here is one that will make you feel a lot better about Anji Hong. Oh, Brad Pill. Brett nice. Hill for the Kia Tigers in the foreign Not attack cool. set. Mm-hmm. So there's a bunch of others. We've got Zeke Spruill. We've got Travis Banwart, Ryan Fairband, Josh Lowy, Sugar Ray Marimon. 
in to this day still my favorite name for a player I've ever heard and a number of others beyond that so baseball cards fun to look at and remember the times you've had at the stadium and to share memories with those who come after you as well is there a community of people here in Korea like yourself now I have seen one or two guys on my KBO like is there like a like a small community of guys who exchange cards talk about cards share cards is that a thing um, in terms of a large community where it's just like dedicated conversation, I'm not sure. I do know of two people, um, well, I'd say four people. One of them has gone back to the States and he was probably the biggest autograph hunter I've ever known. A guy called Justin. He would go to the stadium very regularly, catch all the players. And interesting point, there was a thing before about um, the Kia Tigers walking past a group of fans. The Hanwha Eagles, according to um, him, were like legendary for just not signing readily. So in terms of incidents like that, it's quite rare. But um, aside from him, there's Dan down in Daegu. He does quite a lot of stuff regarding it. He's on Twitter as Korea Cardboard. There's also Thomas St. John, who has a large number of the old Korean cards from the telecassettes from the 90s. And then there's... Uh, a guy called George who used to be involved in uh, the team Jock Bell, I believe still is. I'd have to double check. But he's quite heavily involved in baseball cards as well. But in terms of conversation about them, there isn't that much at the moment. But there's still a lot of people who are actually trading, selling, and arranging stuff amongst themselves. If Don't I, go down a rabbit hole on this of talking about, um, we mentioned there before, Dave Buchanan's article or his interview with Yonhap News Agency. I think that's definitely something we can touch on again in, in the future. Regarding, oh, definitely. To, yeah, when fans are asking players for autographs. And we, we talked about this off air before we came on. We could definitely talk about this next week or the week after. Are you one of those people who likes to go to Jamshul Stadium or Sajik or to go Chuck Dome with your cards and get them signed? Is that something you've, you've done before? I did it a couple of times and I found it was a lot of effort for not a lot of payoff, but that's for me. Like some people really enjoy it. Like honestly, there's Kim ha Song one I've got. If I could get him to sign that, that would be fantastic. And I'd love to just have it and be able to show it off later. Or this one here, which is like a limited 30 of Young Hyun Jung. Mm -hmm. I'd be quite happy to destroy the value and get him to sign it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I um, yeah. I want to get a Brad Hyder guard. In, in a <laughs> <laughs> exactly the question here. I, I believe, and I just um, and Google confirms this. The most expensive uh, baseball card uh, ever sold was a two, 1909 Honus Honus Wagner uh, card, which went for three point one two million. Um, Matthew, to your knowledge, what is the most expensive or the most valuable or sought after trading card in the KBL? Do you, do you have the information? It would guaranteed be anything signed by Lee Sung Yup, especially if it was a limited number of 10 or below. Those would sell for a few hundred, upwards of a thousand, I'd imagine. But um, interesting point for the Wagner card you were talking about. There's one which is going on sale by auction soon, I believe, of a Mike Trout one-of-one one rookie card, which has a minimum bid of a million dollars and has yeah. every possibility of breaking that record. 
I've heard about that. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that would be pretty cool. Mike Trout, of so. course, generating a lot of off-season press by his refusal to play in the MLB, and I can't say I blame him right now. Yeah, indeed. So we have the Sports Complex subway station. We have passing votes on to Haida for beer or Naver Sports, if you're so inclined. And we have baseball cards. That's our Hall of Fame. And it's 3-3-0. Am I right in saying that? This is week seven of Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. It is indeed. So the scores as it currently stands are three to me, three to Farrell, and zero to Haida. Still chasing his first win of the season. Mom and Dad, if you are listening, please vote. <laughs> so, Matthew, who do you think is going to get the four first and next week, you or me? Uh, I'm going to go and say it's going to be me, of course. Okay, okay. You voted for, I saw you voted for the sold subway system and my KBO. Yes, I saw you yeah. voted on Twitter for yours as well. Yeah, I voted twice. Uh, but you voted for <laughs> you voted for the sold subway system over the four for ten. And your own, are we not allowed to vote for our own option? I believe so, yes. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's fine. I, I wasn't allowed to vote on Twitter anyway shenanigans perhaps we'll let the fan base decide so that's it for the hall of fame let's move on to our final section where we're going to talk about the upcoming series what are we looking forward to and now let's see which series coming up in the next week that we are most looking forward to uh bradley hyder you can go first which series excites you the most now that fans are back in the stadium for me, it's the Doosan Bears going at the NC Dinos in Changwon. That'll be a weekend series. Uh, not only is it involved my favorite team, it involves my former favorite team. <laughs> which is which? Well, let's see what the coin toss says. But uh, regardless of my own personal preferences, that is the number one seed uh, going against the number two seed. And anyone who's a fan of sports can appreciate that. What are you going to do on the day that coin lands on its edge? Ooh, I start cheering for the eels. <laughs> All right. Uh, Farrell, which series are you looking forward to? You already have to ask that question, Matthew. I have a feeling it's going to be the same as my answer. Yeah, last week Brad and I went for the same one, so I guess we can double up on these. Of course, I'm going to go for the Kia Tigers versus Lote Giants series down in Sajik in Busan this weekend. The Tigers are 6-1 and one versus Lotte this season, but the Giants are undefeated at home versus the Tigers. They've won their only fixture against Kia so far. Uh, the Tigers, um, just so we all remember, are third in the table at the moment. That's Kia up in third spot just behind the Doosan Bears. The Lotte Giants are then eight. Actually, I thought the Lotte Giants were going to win today, which would have given the top eight teams in the league a 500 record or better, which is absolutely incredible in the 10-team mm. league. Um, and going into that series as well, um, the Tigers are, have a home stand against the KT Wiz, which they should win, but the Lotte Giants are hosting the NC Dinos. So I think Kia, with all due respect to the KT Wiz, who are fun to watch, they are a good team. The Tigers are going into this with a slightly better series under their belts, like a less, probably a slightly less hard series under the belt. So yes, I am going with the Kia Tigers versus the Lotte Giants. Indeed. I'm also looking forward to that. 
if for no other reason than I heard the noise that the Lotte fans made away from home. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do when they are at home with uh, with the cheermaster and the cheerleaders leading them on. It's going to be awesome. It will. It will. And the, an original KBO series, don't forget. Heyte Tigers and Lotte Giants have been going at this for a very long time. So it's a good one to watch. Indeed. One of the most historic rivalries in the league. So that wraps up our show for this week. Bit of a longer one, but we had a lot more stories, a lot more conversation. And uh, let us know, do you guys enjoy the new format that we're trying out here? Do you like us switching out the hot seat? Let us know. Become a friend of the show and follow us at Grand Slam KBO, at Grand Slam Hyder, and at Chimek Baseball. And remember, you can always find our podcast when you search for Grand Slam KBO, wherever all good podcasts can be downloaded. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you all later. Is it Tuesday yet?